Welcome to the Wanderlearn Podcast. It's April 12th, 2020, and we're still in the corona apocalypse. This is your host, Franz Tapon, and in this episode, I talk with Rejoice about my crazy proposal, insane proposal, on how to deal with this crisis and how do we get out of it. You're probably not going to like my solution. That's okay. Let me know what you think. More importantly, I would love to hear your solutions. How do we solve this crisis? Because one thing's for sure, it's easy to complain and bitch and moan about any politician who proposes anything, but it's a lot harder to actually make the tough calls yourself. So I challenge you to make that tough call. This situation has caused severe economic damage and is continuing to do so for a lot of people. In fact, I can feel it because some of my patrons have even decided to cut back. Even those who are paying just as little as $2 a month, they can't afford it anymore. They're trying to cut corners every way they can. So that's a sign that people are really having to struggle and tighten their belts. And it's easy to tell everybody, no, no, sit at home, just keep waiting, just keep waiting while they're struggling to make their mortgage payments, pay for their bills that they have. First, to begin with, I want to do a quick shout out to Kirk, I think his name is, uh, on my website. He had made a long thing saying, Francis, you're not supposed to do any hiking, discourage hiking. Well, let me just defend myself for a quick second. About a month ago, when I first suggested, hey, now is a great time to hike, the world was a very different place. Um, there was no shelter-in-place orders when I first put that out there. People were recommending that you should stay home, but it was don't gather more than 10 people in a group and that kind of stuff, but you could certainly go outside and do everything. That's when I first suggested it. And then slowly but surely over the last month or so, the people have been really tightening up the restrictions so that now there's only about five of the 50 U.S. states that allow you to, that are don't have shelter in place. Those five states are like the Dakotas, Iowa, and I think Utah to a certain extent. And I think Wyoming is another one of those that they're not too strict about it. But that's about it. Everywhere else now is shelter in place. So because of that, I will, I have, I give, say to Kirk that, yes, you're right. Uh, at this point now, things have changed so much that you'll be breaking the law if you're going out there and hiking. So if you really, really want to hike, go hike in one of the, like North Dakota, South Dakota or something like that. And that's where you're allowed to go about and your business. But other than that, uh, you're, you're, you're not allowed to. I'm wearing my ex officio gear here to protect myself from Rejoice because I think, Rejoice, you have COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have here also a Dachshund and Pitbull mix called Nora. Nora. Nola. Nola. Nora. Nora. Sorry. Yeah. So according to the CDC, the most recent numbers here, we're recording this uh, in uh, about the middle of April almost, uh, 77% of the deaths are from people who are over 65 years old. 77% are over 65 years old. And 90% of the deaths are people who are over 55 years old. Here's something I think we forget. And everybody's going to hate me for all this suggestions, of course. And go ahead, lay it on. Write angry, frustrated co comments. But every day, every year, should I say, we trade off lives for economy. We do that all the time. In other words, with the influenza, with other communicable diseases, we lose 5 million people every year, 5 million people to communicable diseases every year. That includes uh, respiratory issues, that includes uh, tuberculosis, influenza, etc. So we are 
Now, those communicable diseases, we could bring that five million to five million down to one million if we just forced everybody to shelter in place 24-7, 365 days a year for the next 100 years. And we'd be able to control that. But of course, we would ruin our economies. So we accept a certain amount of death. What percentage of this type of young people who have used to have diseases in their lungs and whatever that have corona and died, do you know? Well, first of all, I'm not a doctor. I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not pretending, so don't take any of this as medical advice. But my understanding is that a young person could die even if they don't have any preconditions or any other problems. It's just that statistically, it shows that if you already have some sort of weakness in your immune system, you could be dying. So you could be 20 years old and die even though you don't have any respiratory issues or any other kind of pre-existing pre conditions. It's possible, but it's highly unlikely statistically compared to other people. So my proposal is the shelter in place order right now we're imposing on the entire society we should impose it just on the people who are most at risk and let the rest of society move forward and move on and exchange. Now, of course, there's going to be some risk in that, but we already deal with that risk, like I said, every year with all sorts of other communicable diseases. And I wouldn't tell all of society to get back to work. So, for example, if you're a programmer and you're 22 years old, you could probably continue programming for Google or Facebook or whatever you're programming for and stay at home. Say you're a cook, you're a chef or something like that. If you're over 55, sorry, you can't go to work. If you're under 55, if you feel like it, if you want to, if you have to, take that risk. How to say it, but it has a kind of a bad, uh, a bad connotation. Connotations to it, like you're discriminating against the young and the elderly. But I know it says in the CDC that the elderly die much more than the, somebody who is 27, like myself. But saying that oh they stay at home and the rest of us go outside looks like they will not like it. You know, you understand what I'm trying to I say. I totally understand. They yeah, it feels like, like you're being signaled out. But unfortunately, the coronavirus is sing singling out. <laughs> the old people for us. And so we can either um, shelter everybody in place or we can just shelter the old people who are the most vulnerable of the society. And here's the interesting statistic. 5% of Americans uh, who are over, who are senior citizens, 5% live with their younger generation, live with their children usually. Um, it's a very small percentage. Compare that to Africa. <laughs> Africa, everybody lives with everybody. It's like 100% of the old generation live with 100% of the young generation. <laughs> so in my house, I have my grandma, my mother, my father, my brother. And if I have an elder brother, he will be married and his family will be in the same house. So if my mother died, then her room will be occupied by one of the eldest person in the house. So this is how it works. But when I came here, I saw that there is this place called the old people's house. When, when your father or your mom gets to be old, how old, I don't know, when the children decide that they're too busy and they cannot take care of their mom, for some reason they take them to the old people's houses this is very funny to me it's just i never understand like and this <laughs> okay it's not judging judging the white people americans <laughs> it's just like how busy are you that you cannot really stay in the same house with your 70 80 90 years old mom and hear her babble nonsense every day when you come back from work it's just for us, it's really just nice to have this old lady who has lost her mind and just you come back home and she's just 
Where have you been to just saying things that you don't even understand and she doesn't understand what she's saying, but just looking at her gives you joy. We don't have places like, what do you call Nursing homes. We we don't have nursing homes. Um, let me talk for Cameroonians in Cameroon. We don't have nursing homes. And it's like 100%. You cannot go to any corner in Cameroon and find nursing home. And I can speak to Nigerians also. They don't have nursing home. These are the two countries that I have lived for many years between the two. And I know there is no nursing home. Your father is old. He stays in the house. Your mom is old. Stay there. We live together. Right. And I, I think maybe in Lagos, for some of the r richest people, maybe they might have a few, Believe like me, a Francis, few handful of... You cannot find it. You can go to Lagos, go to every corner, inch by inch. It will be a shameful thing if your mother is old or your dad is old and you, because you have a lot of money or because you're busy and then you send them to a place like a, if they're sick, you send them to hospital to stay in the hospital forever if it has to be forever but if they're not sick they don't need a doctor to look at them every day it's either they live with you or they're in the village with other family members who live in the suburbs who are not in the capital cities and all those things this is it right and so this is why imposing this draconian solution which is actually less dra draconian than the current solution which is let's say shelter in place for the entire society this is why my solution is actually more benign than the current thing because only 5% of the senior citizens of the United States are living with their younger family amongst them. That means 95% of American senior citizens are living alone or with their spouse or something like that, or in a nursing home, 95%. Now there is an exception, by the way, and you'll find this interesting rejoice 25% of foreign-born citizens, senior citizens are living with their younger relatives. So for, foreign so for example, a Japanese old lady who comes to America, she's probably, she, there's a 25% chance that she'll be living with her, daughter, her daughters, et cetera. And if it's an African or a Latin American, 25% chance that the grandfather is living with his, his family. family. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. But for American-born senior citizens, only 5% are living with their... Well, I think it's because they want it that way. Sometimes I think your American elders, they want to be alone by themselves. Of course. For yeah, example, yeah, yeah. your mom. But, right, right, right. No, that's right. So, but that's, but that's why it's so easy to then tell them, continue sheltering in place, isolate the senior citizen community, and just say, okay... You guys are already isolated. It's easy to keep you guys isolated and until this coronavirus passes. Until then, stay at home. Don't socialize. Wear your masks if you have to go outside to do your shopping or whatever. But then the rest of society who's younger than 55 years old or is able to then continue on and the engine uh, continue working because at some point we can't keep this up forever. Yeah, this is... It's not going to... For how long are we going to stay? How many more months in the house? It's already April. Yeah. And I see on the on the news, they say the Im unemployment have uh, skyrocketed to a number that I don't know about. And the mayor of Burlingame, the town that's right next to us, uh, just sent me an email telling me that two, house, two cars on our street 
were burglarized and uh, their wallet, some, I guess the owners had left their wallet in their car and two of them had their wallet stolen. This is unheard of in our neighborhood. Nobody ever steals. And that shows that, you know, burgl uh, burglars are kind of idle and they're wondering, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I can't break into any house because everybody's home. So, so that I guess I go with the car. But it also shows a sign of desperation, I think, that people are now like, I need to pay for my bills. I need to pay my rent. I need to pay food. And I think a lot of the people, by the way, on the internet who are criticizing me for, let's say, trying to let's, let's just get out there and work and go do stuff. A lot of these people are privileged. In other words, they have either enough savings or they have a job that allows them, allows them to work remotely. And many people don't have that privilege. Many people don't even have a thousand or two thousand dollars in savings. I don't know statistics, but I think the average American has only about a one month or two months of living expenses capable to live by themselves. Yes, that's right. Really? That's right. And then after the average American has average, about only one month of savings. Don't quote me on that, but it's something along those lines. I'll fact check it and and put it in the notes. But anyway, it's pretty abysmal. And in Africa. Well, I know people and, who live day to day from the market to the mouth. That's right. In <laughs> Africa, you would say that they only have about a one day, I would say. They're living, I mean, literally at the end of the day, they're already thinking, okay, will I get an, earn enough money tomorrow to pay for my meal tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, basically, you eat the leftover of yesterday night, this morning, and then you go out today. And sell whatever it is that you sell, drive a taxi or do whatever, and then come home with the meal for today's evening and eat it. And then it's just a continuous cycle. So right. things are really, tight. I, I, yeah, it is very, very tight. It's not like us here. You have money in the bank, you go to the supermarket, you buy cartons of spaghetti, avocados, and whatever, and you have the pantry, which is always full of food that I have been in America for about two years now. I arrived in my mother-in-law's house in August of 2018 and there is some food in the pantry that have been there when I came. It is still there. <laughs> <laughs> like two years ago that food was in the pantry and it's still here and she goes again to the supermarket and buy more and push them back and put more things in the front. So this is right. and fascinating. We, and we have house sat and this in is many houses, and you see the same thing. The same thing. Some houses are better than others, but every house, basically, I have gone to friends, not friends, family, whatever. You open the fridge, you say, wow. I call my brother from Africa, and then I show him the fridge of white people. Milk, cheese, butter, mango, orange juice, orange, pineapple. I, I'm like, oh my goodness, they never eat everything they buy. People here, they never eat everything they buy. They always have leftover and they throw it away. I have gone to a house, I, I worked for a family that I will be there when they cook the dinner. I will help cook the dinner and sometimes they will invite me to eat dinner with them. And when we finish eating, there will be leftover of pasta, tomato sauce, uh, guacamole and all the things. And then before I knew it, I saw them just putting it in the trash can, but it was too late for me to say, oh, no, 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 don't throw it away. I will take it home because it's already in the dumpster. And then again, and then I told them, uh, because I know they will keep doing that throwing food, so I told them, next time if you have leftover food, just don't throw it away. Leave it for me. I will come back and then 
the next day I will take it and go home with you. So basically you cook your dinner, you eat the leftover, you don't put it and keep it for tomorrow and warm it up in your microwaves. Everybody has a microwave. I've never been to a house. Oh, one Only house. one house in America I've been to that doesn't have a microwave. But every house have a microwave. They don't want to keep it, warm it and eat it the next day. Twist. Well, I, I would say, I, hold on, I'll defend these uh, Americans okay, a little bit. I mean, they, they, I would say a, a large percentage of Americans, I don't know if it's the majority or not, but a large percentage do have leftovers and eat leftovers. And eat them. Not everybody cooks and then throws away their food. Okay, That's so they, they have leftover from people, if you cook food today, you cook pasta, like Italian pasta, and they don't eat, if they eat dinner today, and they don't manage to finish that meal between tomorrow before night, the next second day, they're not going to eat it. It's just going to be at the back of the fridge for many days, and eventually it goes away. It's yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, I agree with no. you. Certain families are like that. Yeah, I would just say that some people are a little bit better about it than yeah. others. But but here, get back to the main point, which is that the United States has, is a land of abundance, and we have quite a bit. But even so, there's a lot of people who cannot afford to not work for a month or two. I mean, they're really going to be in a bad, bad, bad situation. And so for those of you who are listening to this, who don't like my idea of keeping the senior citizens sheltered in place and allowing for the rest of society who are who are reliant, who must go out and work and who cannot work from home to allow them to go out and, and work um, and who don't like that idea. Fine. What is your solution? Because your solution might be, you know, well, we just need to send out money and pay all the people who are who are not who are unemployed, and the government should just pay for everything. And well, where's the government going to get all that money from <laughs> to pay everybody who is unemployed, including myself? <laughs> That's right. So I mean, <laughs> it's easy to just say, well, the government should just pay for everything and stuff like that. And by the way, I do think the government, in this particular, in my crazy draconian solution here, should pay for the housing of senior citizens who are with. With families, that 5% of senior citizens that we talked about who are living with their families, if the, that family is going out to the real world and then exposing themselves to coronavirus, then obviously that's a bad idea. So those people who don't have their own place, who cannot easily shelter in place, those senior citizens would have to be put in some sort of uh, group situation, kind of like a group, uh, not a nursing home, but anyway, a senior citizens living home where you bring in all those people together who are currently living with a multi-generational family situation and say, okay, for the next couple of months, you're going to be living side by side with other senior citizens who were in multi-family generational things. And you're going to just stay there sheltered in place. You have a social life, stuff like that. But we, we don't want you to be intermingling with uh, people who are under 55 at this point, because those people are being exposed to the virus and we want to minimize our deaths. So, that's my uh, crazy solution. Yeah, now, this is just what the what you think the government or whoever control humans in this country should do. But in the end, people will just go ahead and do whatever it is that they want to do, anyways. You know. So. Well, not totally. I mean, there there are uh, like in Spain, they they can actually be fined a thousand euros if you go run around outside. <laughs> um, and and the United States, uh, they are certainly doing their best to. Uh, stop people from and they going trust outside. us they tell us take care and maintain social distances and they trust us here to say that we can 
abide by those rules and that's why they're not finding us i guess in spain they don't trust the people to abide by the rules that's why they're like okay we're gonna watch you and <laughs> you go outside they find you how big is the ticket <laughs> it's 1500 euros i think so are like, you yeah. kidding me for going outside yeah so you cannot go outside and run or anything apparently not wow. yeah according to one person i know in spain uh who that told me that yeah not good at all yeah so it's anyway, pretty serious. corona is really is really becoming it's a big problem my brother said you know uh, there was one night a few days ago normally you know africans they help each other if like you're in the in the supermarket and somebody is being rude and aggressive or somebody is slapping a girl or anything people will come and defend uh, the weak person you cannot beat women just in the street people will come out and say hey don't do that or if you insult an older person somebody who doesn't know you will come and say you're very disrespectful and don't do that or whatever my brother said three days ago or four days ago uh, he wasn't even sleeping at around 9 p.m. and he had a girl screaming help 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 around 9 around 9 p.m. they have put curfew in Yaoundé uh, they said 8 p.m. everybody should be at home and that girl for some reason she wasn't able to be at home and maybe when she was coming back those idle boys who were bored out of their mind there's nothing to do now in the morning there's no job afternoon no job evening no job so all they do is sit down and smoke their whatever it is that they smoke and they get high so they started attacking that girl my brother said he didn't go out you know to go and help that girl who was screaming and he said he's not the only one who had it he has three neighbors he said his neighbor over there knock at his door and say mustafa did you hear somebody screaming mustafa said yes he said all right good night then they had the girls screaming, mm. but they just didn't go out because now everybody is like to himself. Mm. This is how it has come to, what it mm. has come to, like everybody to himself. Before, if my brother hear, heard a girl screaming in the night, he's going to go out. Mm. You know, he's going to go out and say, hey, even get into a fight and shoo those people who is maltreating the girl or a mm. man or something. But now everybody is at home. Right. You know, that's how it right. has become to. Yeah, it's going to be more and more serious, especially in Africa, I think. But it'll be interesting to see how Sweden works out, because Sweden does not have a shelter-in-place order as far as I, as far as now in the middle of April. Uh, maybe that will change, but um, it'll be interesting to see how their infection rates and death rates go when they're not really doing much restriction there. And Africa has shelter-in-place orders, but of course, as you know, they can't really impose it very well. And so it'll be interesting to see how... I mean, Africa is the most social continent on Earth. <laughs> People are completely living on top of each other and intermingling all the time. And, and to me, I just can't even fathom how they could possibly shelter in place and, and isolate people in African society. It just doesn't work for most of the continent, especially in Sub-Sahara. So we'll see. Um, anyway... Tell me what your thoughts are uh, regarding my crazy scenario of just sheltering the senior citizen place, those who are capable of, um, who must work out, you know, the rest of society should continue to work from home if possible. And those who really cannot work from home and have to go out and, and intermingle are capable of doing that as long as they're less than 55 and younger. And that will uh, target the 90% of people who are dying from this. Uh, and yes, 
young people will then start to die more because now the, the virus is going across. But by the way, don't forget, we deal with that all the time with communicable diseases that kill 5 million people a year. So we're just going to maybe raise it from 5 million persons a year. Uh, this this 2020 might be 6 million a year, and it will be a little bit higher than normal, which sucks. But I mean, there's a huge cost to stopping the entire economy. Yeah, but some people will say, okay, well, those, if you said there's 5 million deaths every year before corona, and maybe corona will add another million, another million. they said, then who are this million? That's not going to be you or any member of your family. It could be. What if it is one member of your family or you, would you still be saying that? <laughs> well, it could be me. It could be me. That's why I'm just saying that people should continue to wear masks. And I hope that's one thing that will come out of this whole thing is that we in the United States do not have a cultural acceptance of wearing masks and of touching each other. I mean, of not touching each other. And I hope that out of all this, we learn from the Japanese who bow to each other and don't shake their hands uh, and learn from most East Asians who wear masks by default all the time when they're out in public, which I think is a wonderful practice to help diminish the spread of diseases. Mm, yeah, it's it's like so Corona when the vaccine for coronavirus will come and we're back to work and everything and you want us just people to be wearing masks just naturally, just wearing masks and doing everything with a mask? Yeah, I think it's totally yeah. acceptable. It should be totally acceptable and encouraged. Oh, well. Maybe you, you people here will do it, but even us, in the even in the hospitals, for God's sakes, you go into you want to be a nurse, rejoice. You go to hospitals in the United States, and most nurses just walking around don't have any masks on. A lot of doctors they only put on the mask when they're in the operating I room. I think it's nice to just see the beautiful faces of people. When you wear the mask, you don't see anything. You only see this white or green big ugly thing on your face, and it's just like in the movies. Well. That's what you that you have to deal with. You have to say, well, do I want to increase the amount of communicable diseases or I want to decrease that? And and the cost of decreasing that means wearing a mask. That's the well, price you pay. As I said in your previous podcast, eventually Corona will become like malaria for us in Africa. Okay, you have malaria, fine. Go take the hydrochloroquine uh, or the, take the pills for six days and you're done. That's it. That's it's right. not going to be like something that we are afraid of and we have to wear masks and all those things. Eventually, corona is going to be like malaria. I have gotten malaria many times. Or the flu for you people. Right. Or the fever and the headaches. It's just right. going to be minor irritation that happen and you have to take the pills. You will be weak for two to three days and you're done with it. It's not going to be scared. People still die from malaria, but it's not and the like, flu. It's not like, oh my God, malaria. Let's lock ourselves in the house and mm -hmm. stay there. No, I think Corona is going to be like that. Hopefully, it should be like that. Hopefully, it'll only kill a few thousand, a half a million people per year every year, just like the flu. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> On that happy note. <laughs> Stay covered. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember ftapon. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. 
that's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and